Hello and welcome to Minute Dialogue, episode number 179. Today is Sunday the 23rd of January 2016 and this interview is with Lily Tse, founder of Think Dirty App. Based out of Toronto, Lily has made it her mission to make transparent the potential risks that are hidden in the list of ingredients of cosmetic products. With a database of over 300,000 products, Think Dirty will grade and rank each product based on carcinogenic and toxicological criteria. In this podcast, we explore how Lily has set up Think Dirty, how she uses the power of the crowds to help, as well as exploring the ever-important business model. As Lily says, it's about empowering the ingredient-conscious consumer, a venerable mission. Welcome to the Minter Dialogue podcast, where we discuss brand marketing with a focus on all things digital. I am Minter Dial, your host and author of The Mindset, that's M-Y-N-D-S-E-T dot com, where branding gets personal. You'll find the show notes to the blog for the upcoming interview. Let's cut to the quick. So, welcome to the Minter Dialogue. Today I have from, I can't say sunny Toronto, right Lily? Piped in on Skype from Toronto, Lily Tsi, who has started a really interesting concept called a Dirty App. So, Dirty App, tell us Lily who you are. What is Dirty App, and what's your mindset? Welcome to the show. Sure. Um, yeah. So this is Lily here, uh, founder, CEO of Think Dirty. So Think Dirty is an app that helps you to learn about cosmetic re- uh, ingredients really easily. And with a simple scan and search of keywords, um, you can look at what the ingredients are about, and uh, you can see how we rate them. Uh, we rate it neither clean or dirty. And if you like them, you can shop via our app. And if you found something not at rated favorable, you can find better options. Super. What about your mindset? How would you describe your mindset, Lily? Um, I think dirty, but I shop clean. <laughs> <laughs> it, it definitely is a name that uh, sparks the interest. It piques the curiosity when you say think dirty, right? So it's a great name. So tell us, Lily, how you got into Think Dirty. I mean, you know, as as we were talking a little bit beforehand, you know, are you because are you a cosmetician working at a beauty company that's sort of finished with that or chemist? Tell us how you got into this. Sure. I think like most women, um, you always have an early relationship with cosmetics. Um, so my, similar to most uh, women, I like to look good, I love to feel good, so uh, my relationship with cosmetics started early and um, I start paying more attention as I get older and um, also with the history of my mom having cancer, I start looking at ingredients more closely. So um, my background, why I started Think Dirty, really it just followed a path. I want to ask more questions, ask meaningful questions about ingredient transparency and how it potentially related to our health. And really invite user, consumer to ask questions and learn more about um, ingredients. So you began this, uh, you were saying, in 2013, that's right, so over two years ago? Yep. Uh, tell us a little bit the status of yours, so how many products you got on there, how many users, downloads, any, anything you can give us that you'd like to give us. Sure. Um, so we just hit over 3 million scans from user, and so that's very exciting. Uh, product database, we have about 300,000 from around the world, um, and user is still growing and growing, and uh, we are, I would say, just under a million. So um, it's, it's getting really good, and um, so 
hopefully 2016 we can continue that um, traction and continue adding users. All right, when you look at the 300,000 products that you've got listed, do you, do you feel that there are certain areas that attract more people? Uh, give us a little bit the, the categories that are the ones that people are most interested in finding out about what's, what's in them. Sure. Um, I think a few popular category, as you can imagine, um, I think hair care definitely is um, got a lot of attention. And the other interesting category you see people scanning more is uh, nail polish. Um, I think those two category, I think people just kind of have a natural assumption that the ingredients list is longer. And the name is harder to kind of pronounce. So I think naturally that leads to people want to scan more and learn more about it. That's interesting because I, you know, I had, I wasn't, I had no idea. I would have thought skin care because that's mm-hmm. sort of getting closer to inside as opposed to hair, which is sort of more talking about, you know, you know, these, these pieces on the head, head, end of our hair, head. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I think... You know, women relationship with hair also another interesting thing. You know, if you think about in popular culture or even people you know, every time they want to make a big change, they always do something with the hair. You know, and hair symbolize vitality. You know, um, sexuality a little bit. Sure. I don't know. I find it interesting, and also the hair care category, the variety of product is just unlimited, right? And also, especially hair color, too. I think hair oh, right. color is another category where people feel like, you know, there's a lot of unknown chemicals um, that they want to learn more. So, yeah, those two are kind of interesting. But, yeah, like, you know what? Like, you never know. The, thing, the funny thing is that the most popular list keep changing year per year. It depends on the trends, too, right? Mm. So, um, for example, last year, the nail, nail polish category wasn't as popular than this hmm. year well I, that, le- that leads me to believe that you're going to start to have some really interesting data yes for yes. the cosmetics industry mm-hmm. is that something you're exploring as you as you go forward yeah absolutely i think um again like most consumer app product um you know the access of what we have is definitely yeah the data that you know that we can understand what's the most popular and maybe even which ingredients are more, you know, prevalent in product mm-hmm. and, you know, what are the trends over the years that, you know, which one used more than the other one, you know, definitely there's tons of data to be explored there. So, you know, of course, Lily, that I worked at L'Oreal for 16 years, so I have not a passing understanding of cosmetics industry. One of the things that, of course, is a challenge is that you have global companies with lots of local renditions. So um, mm-hmm. how do you keep the database clean? Because I'm going to give you an example. Uh, sure. We had, there were, uh, just, I mean, the, one, the first that comes to my mind is there was this hair care brand called Kerastars, which is an upscale mm-hmm. hair care brand for professional hairdressers. And it was called Kerastars in the rest of the world. But in Germany, it was called Keralogi. Ah. So, and you also had, um, you have Jeme and Maybelline, there are mm. these different brands that exist, mm-hmm. but within them, you might have the exact same product, or you might have mm-hmm. the exact same name, but done with mm-hmm. a different ingredient or a different fragrance, because the Japanese nose prefers a different nose and so on. How are you managing that? Because, I mean, surely you're confronted with those kinds of problems. Absolutely. That's a really good question you point out from an insider, which we learn it the hard way. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we've been trying to explore the best way to do it. Um, 
I think there's a few uh, pieces in the database that we need to add in to make sure we recognize the regional difference. Mm -hmm. um, right now, we do ha have the kind of location data to help us know which UPC is scanning where. So we roughly can associate the region that way. Um, some of the more subtle difference is challenging. But the good news, however, is um, every time we have a doubt, we can always go back to the user submission, which there are a lot, right? So I know that if we need to go back to dig deeper, we can absolutely do that. Um, it's a very good point. Right now, um, also the challenging part is some of the region might not have as many users been scanned sure. yet. So we might not have those complete picture. Like you said, the, that particular uh, brand, Carousel in Germany, that one, um, just from my knowledge, we haven't actually come across the German Well, it, and by the way, that changed about uh, oh, 10, 10, 15 years ago. But I mean, I'll just give you an idea. And ah, so, so, so when you have, I mean, the majority of your users, I have to imagine, are North American? Um, yeah, I think majority is actually U.S., and then, um, and then the secondary about uh, the secondary most is Canada, and then but also Europe. And we actually get decent percentage of Europe, also Australia and New Zealand as well. So I would say like um, the most, yeah, mostly like U.S. and Canada. Think Dirty is iOS and uh, Android. Android is coming this year. I see. Very soon. Yes. All right, Lily. In in building up a Think Dirty. Uh, I love saying that, by the way. Um, Great. <laughs> what were the challenges in getting the database? Because, I mean, we're going to talk about your business model in a moment, but it's it's always a challenge to scale, to get that of sort course. of critical critical size. So how have you gone about getting getting this numbers up to a million now, near a million users? Um, I think with most small startup, you know, when you have limited resources and marketing, um, if you know you're onto something that people are very passionate about, the user are passionate about, um, anything you can get them start talking, talking to their friends. So we leverage a lot of that, right? So at the beginning, we also work with um, a nonprofit organization that share our mission very closely. So I think they help amplify, you know, the mission and then able to draw a large group of influencers. So our Grow strategy to spread out the word is really very grassroots at the beginning. Um, we might leverage like some small kind of press, like PR kind of tactic. Um, but to be honest, the best kind of PR piece we got is actually just from uh, journalists just discovering us on their own, not from any PR people. So that's kind of how we got the word of mouth out there. And in terms of the product database, um, anytime if you scan something not in the database, the user can submit to us. So we got a lot of help from the user to submit the missing information. And also think about kind of like the Shazam app, right? So yeah. every time when someone pointed out, you know, they, they found the thing. So that's kind of how we discover new products too, right? So every time people submit to, to us, we know, oh, that's interesting, something happening in you know, I don't know, in some part outside of Canada that we don't have access to, like other new brand and whatnot. So I would say, like, our user definitely helped to uh, spread the word, like the viral uh, aspect of it. Um, 
what else we have done? I think we also, well, for me, I also been very active to participate in, you know, speaking in like keynote and trade show and any, any, even the most remote people think that why would you bother doing those stuff? Like, it's just, I, I, I just never want to, you know, turn down potentially reaching a community that would be our influencer, right? Mm -hmm. So I've been to a lot of judging competition for even like, you know, like university startup competition and whatnot. Like, so even venue, normally people don't think you might draw a crowd, but I, I took advantage of those. That's great. So well, that's kind of, yeah. So that's kind of, that's why I say like kind of grassroots. You're on a mission. You're on a mission, Lily. So if you look at the number of, of scans you've got, how many of those are actually happening from them and how many of you had to put in? Is there sort of the majority coming from, you know, crowdsourced? <laughs> yeah, I would say majority. I would say only the first, like, pre-launch phase I would say three months that we have done ourselves almost everything else is from people because yeah it's impossible internal to have this massive impact yeah and that's the beautiful thing about your system and I've even uploaded a few products what about I, I mean uh, as, as we mentioned a little bit before going on the line, um, obviously cosmetic companies are not necessarily quite as open to chat with you and, and this notion of transparency. What about beauty bloggers? Have you had some more interesting uh, pick up? I can imagine, although some of them are a little bit tied in and paid for now, uh, yes. they, they might be quite interested in your stuff. Have you had some interesting success with them? Yeah, of course. Um, a few of them reach out, do kind of like your setup, do interview and whatnot. So I've done a few of those. And some of them just review our app on their own. And some offer to get guest block for us. We definitely have uh, a few interesting. And then a few of them actually from UK. And then one from Australia. Um so what we have done, because we were a little bit hectic and unorganized about this type of engagement, uh, upcoming year, however, we want to do it very uh, systematically, have a mini network of thing dirty kind of blockers so that we can kind of work with them closer and then sync up kind of our marketing plan better to amplify that, um, to make sure we haven't missed out any opportunity mm. working with them. So we'll get ourselves better organized this year. All right. And let's just, I mentioned the business model. Tell us about your business model. What's your, what is it or what do you plan it to be? Sure. Um, so like most consumer app, um, your main objective to hit your user base massive so it can monetize it right and so the way we have right now we kind of work with a few retail partners um, if a user shop a product via thing dirty we earn uh, a small commission and um, down the line we're developing a few ad products that are native based and non-intrusive um, when we decide who we work with, we will take into consideration those companies won't compromise our mission and what we stand for. Um, that would be very clearly outlined in our policy. Mm. All right. One of the things that's very important in this, you mentioned you have quite a lot of people in, in Europe. You have the North Americans, you have the Australians. How do you establish an international standard on, on mm-hmm. this? Because clearly, you know, we're talking about the truth yes. or, or attempting to get yes. to it. So be yes. How do how do you how that's, do you work that? Yeah, that's a very good question. So um, what we've done is we actually look at all of them and then see which one has the most stringent one. Because you would imagine um, if let's say if I know something is not favorable in Europe, 
if I live in Canada or U.S., I don't think I want that neither. Sure. Because if we live in the same world, it's the same type of chemical. You know, why someone have question and the other one doesn't? And also, so long long story short, we follow. Uh, we kind of take the lead from the EU standard. Because I think um, around the around internationally, EU seems to have a little bit more stringent, and also the philosophy of regulation uh, policy in general is um, they follow the precautionary principle. So meaning that um, they kind of would not say a say until it's proven. Versus the other way around in the U.S. and Canada. Innocent so, before proven guilty or guilty before proven innocent. Yeah, yeah exactly. So the, the principle is kind of flipped, right, in North America. Mm -hmm. So um, so after reviewing all those uh, yeah, different differences between how they raise their own thing, we find you kind of tend to be a little bit more stringent. So uh, we follow that. However, we still let people know how... If we could find that on the government list or we can find any study from that country, we will still list that as a reference, right? So mm -hmm. we'll tell people how this thing being looked at in Canada, how mm -hmm. it's being looked at in U.S., how it's being looked at in uh, EU. So those are the main three. In some cases, when even those three, we could not find it. But if I can find, let's say, in Japan, they talk about it, we'll show it from, oh, Japan, this is what they said. Um I guess we don't discriminate any bit of information could help consumer to make an informed decision. Um, but I find the most, the least amount of information you can get from the government is the U.S., <laughs> right? Because the FDA really have very little to say about this topic. Um, and Health Canada, a little bit better, you know, and then EU tend to have more information. Mm. So we go with that one. That was not what I was expecting, Lily. Um, cool. That's true. So the other thing that I remember from my time working for Loyal Canada was that there was a uh, a law that I was that I believe mm. was at the time put down. This is back uh, ten years ago, almost uh, in yeah. Toronto to calculate the waste uh, of cosmetics and and how what it took to purify the water system once it went down wow. the drain. My question, my question to you was, to what extent do you look at the life cycle of a product? I mean, so are we talking uh -huh. on my lips, the lipstick goes, then I might ingest some portion of that, and there's a risk there. Or are we going to be, you know, I just wash my hair, that's the shampoo, it goes down the drain, and then it goes into the ecosystem. How do you delimit your, the risk of these products? Yeah, so right now, our focus mainly is on your kind of the personal health. Uh, that's the primarily. Um, however, there is a few key issues that has been just passing law, like the microbeads yeah. and like certain chemical that is very unsustainable or non-recyclable and whatnot. Um, but the majority is still primarily about health because the challenge is once you get into too much of the kind of the sustainability, the environment part of it, depends how clearly defined your methodology. It could be a way for company to potentially greenwash. And right. that's something kind of I'm trying to a little bit avoid for Think Dirty because I have seen some other kind of apps and whatnot try to do this issue. 
And ultimately, when it comes to personal care and cosmetic product, if you take into all those factors, the smaller guy who don't have the resources to kind of have very like have a whole sustainability team, you know that type of thing, and they they really suffer. They really suffer mm. for that. Sure. And so we, I, so we are not taking this issue as super kind of the forefront. Mm -hmm. There are other app and company kind of focus on that. So. For us, I'm kind of just really like just talk for the ingredient list. So it's amazing that you might save the rainforest, you might, you know, be vegan and whatnot. Those are important. Um, but that's still kind of not the ingredient list. I want to just kind of the ingredient list for now. All right. So, Lily, as you as you know, uh, or as I know, you're not a chemist, but I mm -hmm. just ha I'm just listening to you and I'm thinking, gosh, how much of a chemist do you feel you've become? You've, you, you're, you're learning to pronounce some crazy, crazy uh, chemicals. Do, do you, I mean, you, you clearly must have, you know, upped your ante in, in understanding what's going on in chemistry. Yeah, I think, you know what, a lot of people might think, well, you're not a chemist, you're not entitled to say anything. Um, I challenge that. I think a lot of entrepreneurs found amazing, successful business when they're from an outsider perspective, right? Mm. You know, I mean... Jeff Faisal, he's not a book owner, a bookstore owner. Um, Jack Dorsey never worked at a bank. I think as an outsider, you can actually see what lacking from, you know, the traditional industry perspective. Since I'm working on Think Dirty, I spoke to tons of chemistry graduates. And a very simple question I just asked them, um, does your teacher ever, you know, mention even like one class about safety on, you know, on spending ingredients and whatnot? And not single person have tell me they have even remotely heard of it. Mm -hmm. And they usually just really theoretical based and completely non-practical and like even some of the more kind of government related regulation side of it, they they almost like never heard of it neither. So what I find very interesting is, um, I think the field has been very technical. They're mm. very technical, focused only on uh, certain aspect of you know the subject matter. Um, I wonder if there's opportunity to make it a little bit more holistic, right? Mm -hmm. So chemistry, how is it? Chemistry also potentially have one part, think about human health, think about environmental issue. Could we look at it like kind of the same, same part of the same earth? We are not kind of siloing different department. Um, because, because I almost feel like, you know, it depends on the school you go to, right? If you chose a chemistry major, the stuff you learn almost might be completely opposite what you learn from environmental study versus the toxicology department. Right. Right? So, anyway, that's kind of a, that was a funny aside. No, it was just to talk about your relationship with, with uh, the breast cancer campaign. Yeah, for sure. Um, we picked Breast Cancer Fund when we launched uh, for very kind of specific reason. So what's happening in the breast cancer, you know, awareness, research movement has been a few different uh, side to it, right? So a lot of the breast cancer awareness campaign have been focusing on finding a cure. Finding a cure means we're going to develop a better drugs to kind of kill this thing off, which is very important, obviously. But there's one aspect of the breast cancer 
awareness movement has been a little bit overlooked as the prevention factor of it. So what if we, not just focusing on finding care, what if we find ways to actually prevent it? So that has been not very talked about, but has been dramatically commercialized by the Pink Ribbon campaign. Um, and the Pink Ribbon campaign has raised a lot of money, obviously, for important research and whatnot. Um, but also sometimes, you know, some of the co previous corporate partnership might not be the best one. I mean, if people are interested, you're welcome to watch this documentary called Pink Ribbon A, and you can completely fact check everything I've said right here. Um, read up why Pink Ribbon even exists in the first place. It's a very good starting point to to look at that movement before actually jumping ahead to it. Mm. Um, I mean, I gave a lot of money to the Pink Ribbon campaign, you know, because of my mom issue. But when I look at it, where some of the money spent to, it's very few on prevention, you know. Um, it's important to find a cure, but you need to figure out why people get it in the first place. I mean, mm. obviously, it's a hotter debate again. You know, sure. even scientists cannot give you a straight answer. Is it genetic? Is it environment? Is it personal? I mean, everything is... Is it the lipstick possible. you're wearing? Exactly. If everything is possible. I think that's what it is. And some people have higher chances and whatnot. I think that the, the most important thing is how do you reduce the risk factor? Any little thing you can do to reduce it, you want to make that happen. So one side I find it very very not talk about was the environmental side of it, you know, like other than the food we eat, you know, how come no one talk about the stuff we use, you know, like, you know, the, the pan we cook in, you know, things like that. So that's why we picked that particular charity, because if you look at even their logo, they don't have any paint color in it. Um, their focus really is on the prevention side of it. Nice. So um, that's the reason why we chose that one versus some other kind of the overtly pink color charity, yeah. which is completely on the other side. I haven't even uh, touched on the topic of the sexualization of the disease. Mm -hmm. That's a completely whole other topic. When people talk about breast cancer, they just kind of show people, like show image of breast, when it's actually the opposite of a very traumatic experience for survivors. Sure. Sometimes they've gone through you know, surgery and whatnot. Exactly. So I think... That's a whole other topic not even related to this. But but um, I think so that's why when we chose the charity, it's very important to me uh, what their focus is on. Uh -huh. You know, if it's just cure, is is enough of charity focusing on that. Um, I was looking for a company, I'm uh, sorry, a charity that really focused on prevention, education on the environmental side of it. And observationally it's it's it just sounds very Chinese to think about prevention, you mentioned, mm -hmm. and then also holistic. It just sounds very yeah. Chinese. But we're not gonna get That's into a Chinese great. medical debate. Absolutely. One, so, last uh, major question for you, which is, uh, are you, of course, you're a designer, you have an agency background, so you must mm -hmm. be having a field day, sort of working with the app and the UX and all this stuff. Yeah. Give us, mm -hmm. uh, give us an idea, because I've used the app; I, it's worked beautifully for me. I Thank enjoy you. the facility. Um, tell us what some of the things you're working on in, you know, whatever version you know you're working yeah, on now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think the next uh, phase of Think Dirty is we want to make it um, from more like a pure utility utility focus to add in a bit more discovery uh, for it. So, so people not just go there to look up one thing or two thing or three thing, 
but you go there almost every day, every week to look for what potentially interesting that you could shop that is good for you. So that will be the next big focus for us. Mm. Um, and how to display information in an even more useful way. Um, how to make sure there's absolutely no confusion for a certain kind of rating situation like that. I think making the information even more clear to understand for a user in a very short amount of time would be yeah. my focus. Yeah, there's, there's I think no those are the main things. That the challenge for you is to you know be the bastion of truth, and so that's mm -hmm. a that's a high mantle to have to carry. So you always want mm -hmm. to carry that. At the same time, you know, people on a mobile the patience and the, the desire to have a long script not there especially if you get into small print but anyway yeah. I, I really I, w I wish you lots of luck with this Lily um, it's, a, it's a great mission and um, so what's the best way for uh, I, I, of course we have to download thinkdirty.app but tell us how what's the best way to connect and, and know more about Think Dirty Sure. Um, our website is thinkdirtyapp.com, and you can also look us up in Facebook and Twitter. So Twitter is just at thinkdirty. Um, I think those are the best way. We're also on Instagram, too. So again, it's just uh, instagram.com slash thinkdirty. All right. Well, Lily, um, thanks so much for coming on the show. Great talking to you. Good luck with uh, continuing on uh, thinking dirty but acting clean. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this recording of the Minter Dialogue Show. You'll find the show notes on themindset.com, that's mindset with a Y, where you can also sign up for my weekly newsletter at forward slash subscribe. If you like the show, please do rate it in iTunes, that really makes my day. Happy trails, and enjoy Josh Sachs's Painted Fingers. Oh, fill me with all your different way to rid me of the grave and heal me with all your imperfections that you mention in your lack of
The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.